This is a Saddleback Church podcast. God spends a lot of time in the Bible telling us who we are. It's almost as if he knew that we would doubt who that was from time to time. These are the opening lines of a spoken word piece called I Have a New Name by Hosanna Wong. These lines, along with the rest of the piece, capture a truth that I think we all have wrestled with from time to time. Maybe you're even wrestling with it now. The most fundamental of questions, who am I? When faced with this question, the church often rushes to assure that your identity is in Christ. But how do we really find out what this means? And even when we feel connected to Jesus, how do we keep that connection? My guest today is Hosanna Wong, the author and spoken word artist behind I Have a New Name, and the author of a new book titled You Are More Than You've Been Told, Unlock a Fresh Way to Live Through the Rhythms of Jesus, releasing on August 8th of this year. In this conversation, Hosanna and I talk about why identity is such an important theme in the world today. The importance of structure and rhythm in our relationship with God and the lessons she has learned in working through this herself. My name is Jason Wheeland, and this is Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Now, my conversation with Hosanna Wong. Rosanna, thanks for being with me today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to get to talk to your people and yeah. I'm blessed. Yeah, the, the, oh, this will be great. I'm excited to talk about all of the different work that you've been doing. And there's a theme that I think I've, I kind of identified through a bunch of it, and that is identity in Christ. It, it seems like a clear theme in your spoken word, I have a new name. And Mm -hmm. it's the underlying theme in How Not to Save the World. And then it becomes, again, a primary theme in your new book coming out uh, this summer, You Are More Than You've Been Told. So when did this become such an area of focus for you? And how have you seen yourself grow in your own understanding and accepting of this reality in your life? Yeah, I think trying to figure out who I am and how I'm supposed to live has been a lifelong struggle for me. I've certainly spent years of my life feeling less than, not enough, unwanted, unseen, unworthy. And what what we believe about ourselves determines how we live. And so I can see how lies I believed about myself growing up has trapped me in the wrong patterns of living. Um, if anyone you know, I'm, I'm sure many listeners can relate. You know, you've been told in your life that you're not enough, or you're not doing enough, or you're second rate, or you're not as important as other people, and that's what the enemy of our souls hopes that we believe, so that we never live the lives God has created us to live. And I can see now throughout my life how the lies I have believed have been a ceiling in my life, have stopped me from living the life God's created me to live. And I've lived weighed down, weighed down from the expectations of people, weighed down from my own expectations of myself, um, weighed down trying to please people or try to shape shift myself to fit into some kind of mold. And I've grown exhausted. So it has been a lifelong journey of trying to figure out who I am and how do I live like it every single day. Mm. And I think um, with with what you're speaking on, I have a new name came out of uh, one of the darkest seasons of my life, one of the most painful seasons of my marriage and my ministry, and I lost who I was. And so certainly it came out of um, a, a painful season of needing to know who I am and declare who I am. But I also think that for so much of my life, the answer to my identity's question uh, was told to me, the answer is your identity is in Christ. And the answer is abide in Christ. And for the life of me, I could not figure out what that meant or how to do that. So I think though I believe that, I have been searching um, for the better part of my adult life on what that means and how we can do that tangibly. And that's where all of these works have come out of. I have a new name, how not to save the world. And you are more than you've been told in an effort to kind of unveil uh, how to do that in our real modern lives. I want to go back to something that you said just a minute ago about 
how the lies that we tell ourselves, or maybe it's the fears, or maybe it's the anxieties, whatever it is, can act as a ceiling. I thought that was mm-hmm. kind of a powerful image that you used in talking about that. Um, so much of, uh, or I should say, we've talked a lot on on this podcast about our call from Jesus to live the John 10, 10 life, that I have given you life mm-hmm. and life abundant. And we talk about that that. This is the life that God has offered through Jesus, through our 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 abiding in Christ, can lead to this abundancy. Yeah, the John fifteen idea of abiding and of fruitfulness, and yet there can be this ceiling that we mm-hmm. um, unconsciously, subconsciously, or we find ourselves in through our confusion, through our wandering. Um, because mm-hmm. of the lies that we've been told. And I think that's such a powerful image to just compare and contrast these two things. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. I mean, just five chapters later, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> here's life abundance available to you. Five chapters later, here's how. Yeah. I think what you are pointing out really beautifully and clearly is the problem and the solution. Mm. The problem is that we've been told so many lies about ourselves that have created this ceiling, right? For example, you've been told that you're always a burden to people. And you've been told that all your ideas are crazy or your ambitions are too large. Or if you were to ask for help, you'd be a burden or an annoyance. So when God puts something on your heart, you don't want to tell people about it. When God calls you to start something, you don't want to invite people in on it. When you feel God's told you, you know, to bring together a community, you're just plagued with the idea that everyone's going to say no. So you don't obey God mm-hmm. and you don't live the life he's created you to live. Or for example, you feel like your story is not as important as other people's stories or your background isn't as, um, I don't know, different or uh, different enough, too different or not different enough. Yeah. Your your lens of the world isn't as important. Your life's not as valuable. Your background's not the right background. Your story's not the right, right story. So you don't share with the people in your life who you really are or your real background, or you don't think it's important for you to share, share the story of Jesus through your life and through your lens. And then you disobey God and the ways he's calling you to share your story, to start relationships, to open up your home, to say yes, what God's calling you to do. These are examples of how, when you believe you are less than you are, you will live a lesser life than what God has created you to live. Mm-hmm. So that is the problem. You've been told lies your whole life, yeah. but Jesus has come to say, you are more than you've been told. So what is the solution? And if the solution is abiding in Christ, then how do we do that practically? You mentioned John 15. And I can, I can tell you how with that scripture specifically, how understanding that verse and how to abide practically has transformed my relationship with my identity and my relationship with God. Um, I was in a season weighed down, disconnected from myself, disconnected from God. And I knew this verse, you know, the answer to my identity's question is to abide. Yeah. Abide in Christ. So how on earth do I do that? And so I called one of my friends who works in vineyards. Mm-hmm. She's worked in vineyards for years in New Zealand and up and down the West coast of California. And she's not even a Jesus person yet. So I knew she wasn't going to give <laughs> yeah, me. Her... I like how you add that thing there. That's good. Yeah. Oh, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she knows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have her listen to all my podcasts. Like, That's Hey, great. would you double check this agricultural <laughs> answer you gave me and fact check it? Love it. She knows she, uh, she's at Saddleback hearing me teach. So we're close, close friends, but she hasn't chosen Jesus yet. And yet if I have questions that might help me with like a message or something, she'll answer them for me. Well, I was really trying to give practical tools to this abide in Christ idea, but I didn't have them. I didn't know them. Mm. I couldn't figure out for the life of me how to have tangible tools about this. So I called her and she doesn't know the context of the verse and she doesn't know the scripture. And so I'm explaining it to her and I'm saying, it says, you know, abide in me, You'll bear great fruit. Apart from me, you can bear nothing. Explain to me this. Mm. Are all branches need to live is to be connected to the vine. Can you teach me anything else about the relationship between branches and vines? And again, she has no like scriptural context of this, just her agricultural context. And she said, well, technically, yes, all that branches need to live is to be connected to the vine, but really they need a trellis. Mm. They need a structure to help them stay connected to the vine so that they don't rot, so that they have even sunlight. Really, branches need a a structure to, to flourish. 
And I said, well, okay, well, forget about flourishing. What if I just, what if they just want to survive? Yeah. Do all branches need to survive as just to be connected to the vine? And she said, yes, all that branches need to survive, to live is to be connected to the vine, but without a trellis, without a structure, they will live constantly weighed down. They will carry weights they were not meant to carry and they will fight an uphill battle. They don't have to fight. And I thought, oh, I am so way down today. Mm. Perhaps I'm carrying weights I wasn't meant to carry. Perhaps I'm fighting uphill battle. I don't have to fight. And when branches don't have a trellis, when they don't have a structure, they eventually will grow apart from themselves, break apart from themselves and break apart from the source, the vine. And I realized that the answer to my identity's question, the answer to how do I abide in Christ was really a structure. I had lost my rhythms of really connecting with God. I had lost my routines. I had lost a structure in my life. And I realized that the way to fight for my life was really to fight for my schedule, mm -hmm. that I really needed to have a better structure in my life. And so that really changed my idea of how to abide. And it changed my idea about, you know, these rhythms, spiritual disciplines altogether, because some of us grew up in a you know, a community of believers where maybe the spiritual disciplines, these rhythms were so emphasized that maybe they became the point as if salvation is found in the spiritual disciplines. But as I thought of this idea of the structure being what supports you to help you stay connected to the source, it just really helped me see it, um, see it for what it really was. There is no life in the structure. There is no life in the routines. There is no life in the spiritual disciplines. There's no life in the trellis. It's a wooden stick. Yeah. There's only life in the source, the structure. There is no life in the structure. There's only life in the source, Jesus himself, but the structure helps you be connected and stay connected to the source itself and learning what that structure is is learning the spiritual disciplines that Jesus himself lived that has changed my life. Well, I think there's something that seems to be catching wind right now around this idea of rhythm, right? So, yeah. so that's the subtitle of your new book. He's talking about the rhythms. Uh, and there was a, a new book that just came out recently from Ruth Haley Barton, uh, called the rhythms of work and rest and it was about having a sabbath rhythm and we even see this kind of resurgence especially from the younger generation of going back into liturgy and really embracing um, yeah. a, a weekly liturgy and i think there's something that is starting to catch on about that idea and i think it goes back to the trellis of what you were just saying of if, if, if we can find some some structure in these rhythms that allow us to point, you know, it, 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 to filter out the other things of our life and help us yeah. point back, focus in on, and spend intentional time with Jesus through these rhythms. Yeah, one hundred percent. I love that. Mm. I think that's yeah. I, I think that's something that's really powerful. So, in terms of how you, in particular have started to embrace these rhythms or embrace these spiritual disciplines again. Are, are there, now there's a ton of different spiritual disciplines. And yeah. so are, are, are there some in particular for you that you found um, uniquely meaningful uh, for you? Yeah, I could say four specifically have really been trans, really transformed my life and yeah. my marriage and my ministry. What I set out to do was really... Uh, do in-depth study for years mm -hmm. on the lifestyle of Jesus mm -hmm. and the rhythms that Jesus had in private. So he knew who he was and lived as he was, you know, created to live in public. Yeah. And so the spiritual disciplines that I've really studied and implemented in our lives um, are the rhythms of Jesus himself, spiritual disciplines um, that he demonstrated throughout his life on earth. So the four for me has been a rhythm of scripture, going out of my way to engage with God's words and I think for many of us who have followed Jesus for a long time, we need to consider 
perhaps a new fresh way to engage with God's words. If the word of God has become stale, if perhaps you don't feel like you're getting any life out of it. Remember the spiritual discipline is not the point and the structure is not the point. The point is to be connected to Jesus. So it might be time for a new translation Mm -hmm. or a different time of day to read it or to do it in community or to do a new devotional plan. It's important that we know God's lens of us. So if you're just reading scripture, the answer to I'm reading my Bible every day, but I don't understand this translation and I'm exhausted and I don't (laughs) like it is not now read it longer and faster. It's man, perhaps you need a new way to engage with God's word. So you know what God says about you. Yeah. And so one is a rhythm of scripture evolving that part of my life with my lifestyle. You need something that's engageable and enjoyable and in the name of Jesus, doable. (laughs) And so I think that's like really important. Uh, We have to, we have to dismiss the myth that your relationship with Jesus has to look like anyone else's relationship with Jesus and live way down by the expectation of, well, if my mom wakes up at this time, I have to wake up at this time. And if my friend reads this translation, I have to read this translation. And if my pastor reads it this many hours, I have to read that many hours. And then if I can't do those things, then I won't do it at all. The point is to have a real one-on-one relationship with Jesus. So my question to the church today is, how will you know what God says about you every single day? The second one for me is a rhythm of prayer. Prayer had to be kind of reframed in my life because I pray a lot all day long, casually. And I think that's good. I think God wants a one-on-one conversation with us throughout the day. But there are things in my past and in my childhood and wounds deep in my heart and in my mentality that I need breakthrough in. And it's not going to happen through me just praying on my drive to the grocery store, God heal me of everything. I've actually had to learn a lot about finding time for solitude, to be alone with my thoughts and alone with God, and to find time to pray specific prayers, to talk to God about specific situations in my childhood and my past, and to bring him into those situations, to imagine what he would say about me in those moments, and to surrender those hurts to God, invite him to heal. So I'd say in our rhythm of prayer, do we have time to pray specific prayers in our lives. That's that's something that has really transformed my life. Mm. The third is a rhythm of rest. And you mentioned that yeah. um, Sabbath. It is important. Um, this was really big for me because I've dismissed Sabbath for most of my adult life because the people in my life who perhaps were the most passionate about it or who were my closest friends who were the best teachers on it, I felt like their rhythms were so out of reach for me. Mm. They had done them for so many years that where they are now seemed so inaccessible to me yeah. that I did not really learn what God really says about Sabbath and what Jesus really says about Sabbath and how I must find how I can have this weekly routine and rest in my life, in my routines, in my rhythm. Again, comparing my rhythms and yeah. spiritual disciplines to somebody else's. Well, since I can't do that, I'm not going to do it. And so since I couldn't do it the one very specific way I thought I had to do it, I've spent years working for God and not enjoying God and not knowing that I was loved without doing one thing. And implementing a rhythm of Sabbath in our marriage didn't just change our marriage, it changed our ministry, it changed my how I saw myself. And I understand now why God commanded it. He knew <laughs> that we needed <laughs> that we needed to learn a new mentality. And so I can say so much about Sabbath, yeah. um, but the, for- the fourth one, so rhythm of rest, and then the fourth one is a rhythm of real community. Mm. What does that really look like in my life? And I could break that up into two things. Um, in my book, I do break it up into two things, but it's based out of me being patient X and it's happening in my life. Um, having a rhythm of confession mm. and a rhythm of celebration. Mm. making time and space for these very two important things has helped me engage in real community in my life in a way I never knew was possible. And these are things we see Jesus go out of his way to do all throughout his life. These are the rhythms of Jesus. And these four have probably been the most revolutionary for me. And it looks like having a structure throughout my month. It doesn't mean every Monday at 5 a.m. Yeah. Because some of not all Mondays are created equal because <laughs> I might because I travel 42 weeks out of 52 a year. Mm. So there is 
if I were to say every single day has to have the same routine for me to have a relationship with Jesus, I will not have a relationship with Jesus. So instead it's more of a set of rhythms I have monthly. And at the beginning of the month, my husband and I look at our specific month and then implement those rhythms into the days for that month, if that makes sense. Well, I think that's such a great reminder for people that God made you different from anybody else. So you can allow yourself to have a different rhythm or routine. You don't have to fall into this. I do this, 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 this every single time is it can look and be expressed differently. And that's okay. God knows what is going on in your life. And yeah. God, God honors our time of just saying, okay, I, I know I'm making space. I'm making time and it can look differently, but he, God loves you listening so much that yeah. he, he just love he, he loves being with you and it can look differently on this Monday from next Monday. And that's totally fine. Right. And I think when we put our you know, relationship with Jesus, our rhythms, or our structure in a box, yeah. whether it's a perceived box that we assumed or a box we were taught incorrectly, or if we're comparing ourselves to other people or whatever, we eventually, because it doesn't seem accessible, we will not um, spend real time with God. And without having our own structure, we will eventually grow yeah. apart, break apart from who we are. Yeah. and break apart from God, we will grow disconnected from ourselves and from God, and then we won't know who we are. And then when someone says something mean to us, we don't know the truth. And then we get overwhelmed with expectations and then work. And then, you know, we see the spiral of losing who you are. Now you don't know what to do with your life. Now you don't know what direction to take. Now, really, we need a structure. Yeah. So, yeah. I think you've talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to... Uh, a touch on this a bit more explicitly for anybody who is dealing with um, either like anxiety or they're dealing with this feeling of disconnection from God, or they just feel like, um, I don't know, I feel like a really high, high or a low, low. And I just feel like I go back and forth and even talking about these rhythms and structures. I, I, I there's so much value in it. And I, I can already think of some people that I know who would be like, that sounds a little anxiety inducing in my life. What sort of advice or encouragement would you give to people who really want to uh, embrace their identity in Christ in more tangible ways, um, yeah. but feel a bit stuck or feel a bit afraid to set rhythms for themselves? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, the spiritual disciplines or what I've chosen to call them, the rhythms of Jesus aren't meant to chain you. They're meant to free Mm -hmm. you so that we don't become enslaved to the pace or expectations of culture. Mm -hmm. And we already have structure and rhythms for other goals in our lives. You want to run a marathon. You have these days of the week that you train. You want to learn piano. You have these days of the week that you practice. When you can articulate a goal that you have, you then implement a structure to help you do that. So when I ask you, what is the life that you want to live? The question then is, how will you implement practices throughout your schedule to live the life you say you want to live? For me, I wanted to live lighter. For me, I wanted to reconnect with God. I wanted people to be able to oppose me and for it not to feel so personal. Mm. I wanted to not be so easily offendable. You know, I wanted to obey God without needing everyone else's approval that I was and without feeling I had anything to prove. So how am I going to have these practices? And I would say for anyone that says, where do I begin? Let's just take these four that I mentioned. Let's say that you haven't had a rhythm of of being in the word of God. And I would perhaps maybe look at your month. All all, All of us have busy schedules and many of us don't have the same, you know, week rhythms. So if you were to look at your month and say, okay, I want to engage with what God says about me, then, you know, where can I start? How can I practice? How can I begin? Where can I start? And so I would look at just the rhythm of scripture in your month. What could you commit to? You know, is it reading um, a Psalm a day or three days a week. I mean, I'm very happy with the on-ramp of where can you begin? You know, um, could you read slowly through the gospel of John? That's what my, my baby brother, when I got the the crazy, crazy, crazy privilege to lead my baby brother to Jesus, <laughs> mm. we, we went slowly through John, one chapter a day of John. 
And the two questions we pray to God were, God, show me something new about you and show me something new about how to live. Mm. So those were two places I would say, if you're starting, yeah, if you're starting and you're saying, all right, maybe it's a Psalm a day or it's a, a gospel a day, or maybe it's just the weekdays, but somewhere to begin, yeah. um, that where, where could you begin? You know, what's, and you could even Google, you know, translations, readers, Bibles that help you with translations that are maybe even um, more palatable or easy yeah. when you're beginning. Um, that's good. There's also all these awesome uh, devotionals on you version, the Bible app that can help you get started. You know, for me, I'm a morning person. So reading the word of God in the morning works well for me. Uh, my husband is not a morning person. He reads the word of God at a different time of day. So it doesn't have to do with who's more spiritual. It has to do with our personalities. Um, I'm also a sensitive person. So if I read a, a text, a, a crazy work text or a mean comment on Instagram before I read what God says about me, it could derail me for hours um, because I'm sensitive so see this because of my personality, I'm thinking I need to read the word of God first. Um, and that doesn't look like hours every single day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's one example. Where could you begin with prayer? Here's three things I would say in a month. Here's to start. Yeah. Here's three things in prayer that you can maybe find time to this month. One is solitude. Can you find some time alone with God in your thoughts? That might look like in that next 30 minute drive that you have not putting on music or a podcast right away, but for the first 15 minutes, just being in silence alone with your thoughts and with God. So solitude, would you find the pauses in your life and not overwhelm them with noise? The second one I would say is specific prayers. Can you find in the month elongated time? Can be it's 30 minutes in your backyard to pray specifically for some healing that you need, specifically for the people at your church who you know are going through a hard time, specifically for your marriage, to spend 30 minutes to pray specific prayers. And the third thing I would say is saying thanks. Would you put time aside this month? Maybe it's a walk around your neighborhood for 30 minutes and just expressing gratitude, just an exercise of remembering what God has done and being grateful. Maybe it becomes something you could do every week, yeah. but could you start by finding one time a month? So there's just two examples. And then when I think about rest and real community, um, you know, then now I'm thinking, okay, what is there 24 hours? Ideally it's 24 hours every week yeah. that you're not getting ahead, that you're not finding your value in doing, mm. um, that you're able to stop and rest and delight in God and what he's given you. But if you can't do every week today, could you do it this month? Mm -hmm. Can you have 24 hours where you don't get ahead? You don't find value in doing, but you do something that helps you enjoy God in the life that you have and take delight in him and rest in him, worship him. Could you find that? And then real community, I, I'd, I'll just say this because um, I think this might be for me, one of the most life-giving rhythms that I wish I had known of sooner was this rhythm of confession. And that's not with everybody. That's not me confessing everything on Instagram, yeah. but there's a couple of close friends in my life that I have this rhythm of, we talk every month of like, here's what's really happening in my heart and in my marriage and in my ministry. Cause the enemy loses his grip when you bring what's hidden into the light. Yeah. And then that's also creating a stronger community between me and the person that is sharing together and the rhythm of celebration. And this is something you can implement this month. What is, you know, so often we we can just say no to every invitation, no to every party we're invited to, every baby yeah. shower, every wedding. How many parties are we having, everybody? <laughs> I get it, okay? It's hard as an introvert and it's hard being social. I am with you. But without a rhythm of celebration, I can spend so much time isolated disobeying what God has created and called me to do, which is to engage in community. And that is not that all the introverts are called to be extroverts, but when you're called to engage with God's people, the way you're created and you're commanded to celebrate, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to worship God, then how can you start a rhythm of celebration. Maybe that's once a month you commit to finding someone you can celebrate, taking them out to coffee or dinner or going to an event you're invited to or hosting an event. I don't know what that is for your life, but my question is how will we actually follow Jesus? How will you implement a structure in your life to actually follow the ways and lifestyle of Jesus? So even with just those four, looking at your month and picking a place to start, 
I think would be a, a beautiful place to begin today. Well, I love that you brought up celebration as one of these disciplines related to community, because like that's a spiritual discipline that we see talked about a lot in different spiritual discipline books, but it's one that I think often kind of goes overlooked. I think people say like, oh, that's fun. You know, and they, and they may have parties, they may spend time with people, but not usually doing so in the guise of it as a spiritual discipline. So I think, I think being intentional in thinking about how is this helping me uh, connect more to Jesus and connect with others in, yeah. in, in, in doing this celebration, I think is really special. So I, I, I'm really glad that you brought that up. And I wanted to yeah. note for those listening, in the show notes to this episode, I'm going to put links to a bunch of different resources that Saddleback has to help you develop or start, begin, hone these habits of a daily time or um, spending time in God's word, these habits of prayer, these habits of of rest. We have a bunch of different guides and tools for you. So so make sure to check the show notes out. Also, I'm going to point some links to some other episodes of this podcast that we've done um, specifically on confession. We did one not too long ago. That was a great conversation on confession. So it's, it, it, it's getting the advocacy from Hosanna. Make sure to go back and listen <laughs> to that episode as well. You've mentioned a few times already in our conversation your marriage, and you've talked about how these spiritual disciplines have helped your marriage grow. I wondered if you could share a little bit about how your identity in Christ and your connection to God and your engagement with these rhythms, these spiritual disciplines, how how you've seen that affect your marriage and even other relationships or friendships in your life. Hmm. That's a great question. I mean, I think my relationships were the signifier that something was wrong mm. because I was in close proximity, you know, with my husband and yeah. with my friends, um, them saying, you're not Hosanna, you know, and you're disconnected from yourself. It was a signifier that I had lost a sense of myself. And so, um, I'm so thankful for the relationships that love me enough to not let me stay in the way down half living state that I was in. Mm. But my husband and I have um, committed to serving the local church for the rest of our lives. And we've made two commitments. We're going to serve the local church for the rest of our lives and we're going to stay married while doing it. And so those are the two (laughs) commitments that we've made. Certainly as our roles change or God calls us to do other things, it could get people can ask a lot about the hats we wear, the titles and the roles. And the truth is these are the two things that we will do Mm. to the end of our lives. With that, um, we can get exhausted and discouraged and weighed down by the many different communities that we love, that we serve. And without having a structure in my life, because my husband naturally has just been more disciplined. Um, but even both of us, I'll say, when we don't have a structure separately or a structure together, our lives can become all about serving other people um, and preaching really well on abundant life to others without embracing abundant life for ourselves. And there was a point in my marriage where my husband said to me, Hosanna, you work really hard for God, but I don't think you enjoy God. And it was true. I've I've spent most of my life serving God and serving people, and I have missed the abundant life God had for me and the rest and relationship that he wanted for me. And I think I did a lot of things out of obedience to God. I think I said yes to the things he called me to do, but I know now that I could have said yes to all those things and also enjoyed him and people in the world he had for me. I could have done both had I cared enough to pause and reclaim my life and reclaim my schedule, reclaim my calendar and uh, care about living the way Jesus showed me to live, not just do what he's called me to do, but live the way he called me to live. And so I think that by having a structure in our lives, especially after 2020, when so many of our routines went out the window, reclaiming structure for what our lives are today, not trying to re 
do what our structures were in 2019, yeah. but to see where our ministry is, what our family is, who the people are in our lives are, what is God calling me to do, to do today? And us building a structure for that. Some of us are on autopilot because of something that God called us to do 10 years ago. And we're still living in a structure that is no longer for us. And one of the things that I learned about the trellis and the structure and this idea of branches being connected to the vine, the trellis has to change, evolve, or grow depending on the weights that the branches are carrying. Not all trellises, not all structures are created equal. Once the the, the branches start to carry more weight or they start to bear fruit, yeah. they start to flourish good things, the structure has to become stronger. The structure has to become bigger. And in my life, I was trying to carry this flourishing ministry with a tiny structure that started years ago. And at one point we felt God calling us to do more as we serve the local and global church. And I said, God, I need you to grow our capacity. I have hit my emotional capacity. I am not extrovert enough for this calling. And we prayed for a long time, God, would you grow our capacity so we can say yes to what we feel you're calling us to do. And in that, it's like he brought to mind over weeks and weeks time, all these ways we can re, uh, re come back to our structure, you know, come back to our structure, our rhythms to find the margin that's already there that we've dismissed. And so all that to say is that my relationships were also the signifier the day that um, I had some rest, I took off some elongated rest. And the first time I was back teaching in the middle of a worship service, I looked to my husband and I said, I'm not the same person. And he laughed and he hugged me and he said, I know. <laughs> and so he's also a signifier of, you know, that's my wife again. And God is calling us to obey him and be close to him. And, you know, and so um, I just think because of that call we have felt, I have um, missed the life God wants to have for me in the name of serving him. I actually missed enjoying him and knowing him. And so these past seven years, I will say mm. it's been the past seven years in reinstating rhythms in our lives yeah. that have, have trans has transformed me. I feel like I've learned, um, a roadmap to living lighter. Well, I think, yeah, I think it sounds like a key, um, doable, if you will, <laughs> out of <laughs> yeah. that is the, uh, is this idea of allowing people in your life, whether it's a spouse or whether it's, um, a group of close friends to be able to speak in to what they see. You know, it, it sounds like it was your husband who said, Hosanna, you seem uh, like a different person than, mm -hmm. than I've seen. And so imagine, imagine giving people, you know, trusted people that freedom to be able to speak yeah. in and say, Hey, I don't see the same joy that I've seen recently. Or, Hey, yeah. like it, it, I've noticed that you've been a bit short with people recently or short with me recently. And I'm just wondering, you know, how is your structure? How's your trellis and be able, you know, and if you, if you start that conversation, if you build that a part of your life, even just asking the question, how's your trellis can have meaning. It doesn't have to be, you know, to so sit down. So tell me how each of your spiritual disciplines is going right now. Right. You know, but even just something as simple as how's your trellis can have that meaning. It can, it can be that signifier, as you said, of, oh, like you're right. Something has been off. Right. And there's yeah. something that's so powerful about, about allowing that accountability, allowing people to love you enough. And yes, that takes a risk and that takes vulnerability to be able to uh, allow that sort of conversation. But, but when you step out, and again, we're making sure to emphasize that it's people that you trust, yeah, that, to allow them to, to speak into you that way, it, it brought you to where you are now. Yeah, and so right. so that is possible for for anybody who's listening to be able to say, oh, like you're right. I I need to talk through, I talk this through more and and think about what I am implementing, where my time is being spent, who my focus is really on. Ultimately, right. that's what you're going back to. Who is my focus really on? Is it on Jesus? Is it on the vine? Or am I trying to do a lot of branch work by myself? <laughs> right. 
right? And I've discovered that through having confession as a rhythm. Yeah. Um, that that was a very hard wall to break for me mm. because I'm one of the people who believe the lie that I'm a burden to people. I'm one of the people that growing up believed the lie that, you know, you'll just weigh people down. Yeah. Um, you're too much. Um, and so it took a long time for me to break down that wall and to find people who I trusted, who I knew loved God. And so, um, you know, loved God and, and knew God's lens of me. To, to open up to them. They weren't my best friends, ride or dies for 30 years, people. Yeah. They were people I had met recently, but I knew I could trust and I was safe with mm. to open up and truly say what was really going on in my heart. Um, and so it's not everybody. It's a couple of trusted yeah. people, but I'm constantly, you know, it's not a place that I've arrived to. I am still, in fact, one of the couples that my husband and I have this rhythm with where we are constantly sharing what's really going on at all times in our lives. We have dinner with tomorrow night. Oh, cool. It's a constant rhythm yeah. of you know, bringing what's hidden into the light so people who know the truth about you and the truth about God can speak truth to it because not everyone's an expert at what you're called to do. Yeah. You know, you can take advice with gratitude and a grain of salt. But if I could just speak to that mm. because I'm a leader who also gets a lot of advice given to me. <laughs> and so I know a lot of people here might also be people who get a lot of advice given. Sure. You know, you might have people in your life that you know are the trusted people that you can get real with. And you also might be weighed down with how many people are trying to give you advice about your rhythms, right? Yeah. They don't like the day that you Sabbath or they think that you should be doing this more sure. or whatever the kind, loving people in the world would like <laughs> to advise you on. And here's a tool that I've used in my life that has helped me because I don't think people's advice to me is going to go away ever. Yeah. But one of the tools I've taken is to, um, well, first you just take it with gratitude and a, and a grain of salt. So to their face, I'm just like, thank you. Yeah. But in my private time alone with God, I imagine that whoever gave me advice is half right. Mm. And before God, I ask God, God, will you show me what they're right about and what they're wrong about? Mm. Because not everyone knows the structure of my life. Not everyone is an expert at what you're called to do. Yeah. And so for the people that don't understand what God has called me to do in my lifetime, the people that don't understand my marriage, my personality, man, I will get so much advice about so many things people think I should do. Yeah. So I have a couple of people in my life who are my mentors or have gone before me or have taught me a lot of rhythms. Certainly, yes. But no matter who it is, I imagine that maybe they're half right. Yeah. God show me what they are right about. Cause maybe there's something in me that I'm doing wrong and show me, show me what they're wrong about. Like what they just don't know what they're talking about because they don't know because they're trying to be kind, but they don't know. And in that letting the Holy spirit do the work of showing me the difference, because sometimes people have some truth, you know? And so that's kind of a tool that I have in my life. God, you know, what am I, what are they right about? What are they wrong about? Imagine that everyone might be half right and half wrong. <laughs> I love that. That's a great tool. <laughs> the math uh, isn't perfect, but it just helped me. It's helped me bring it to God and not decide for myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely does. So I wanted to ask you one last question, Hosanna, and that's, you've seen a lot of great success with the spoken word, with your first book, and now with your upcoming book. What has been your biggest learning from having experienced this success and seeing people really uh, cling to these ideas of identity that you've been talking about through it. What has been your biggest learning in all that? Oh man. How many more days do we yeah. have to record this <laughs> yeah, podcast? Right? I mean, it's, it's a lot like even, even thinking about, I have a new name, which has been kind of the catalyst yeah. of um, it's not just the catalyst of like all the work that we do, but in my personal life, Seven years ago, I wrote this spoken word piece, I Have a New Name. Mm. And it was like a line in the sand moment for me. And it's a spoken word piece about what God says about us. And um, when God breathed on it, and I know the season it came out of, and I know that I had nothing to do with the success of it. Like I know it, know it. Like yeah. I, I got deeply down in me, no. <laughs> and uh, so so what have I learned? I've learned, um, I've really learned how to depend on the power of God and to surrender my pride and my ego and my calendar and my agenda to the feet of Jesus and let him breathe on what he wants to breathe on. You know, um, one of the, I'm going to keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, please. Go. You take your time. <laughs> I'm not in a rush. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, time for the podcast people to put it on 1.5. No, I'm just kidding. Um, there's this, there's a story in Mark where the disciples wanted to have breakthrough, but they weren't able to. This this dad has a son who's, you know, plagued with the spirit. And he asked the disciples to cast it out and the disciples weren't able to cast it out. And that's curious because the disciples were able to be a part of so many other miracles. Um, And I have too. I've been a disciple of Jesus for a long time and I've been a part of a lot of communities that have seen moves of God. Mm. So it's curious when there's breakthrough that you thought you could have, but you did not have. And then, you know, that Jesus is able to cast the spirit out because he's Jesus. And then the disciples say, you know, how can we weren't able to cast it out? And Jesus says, this kind of spirit can come out with nothing but prayer. And that I can say is something that I can easily describe these past few years of my life. I used to think like, oh, the disciples weren't praying, but it doesn't say that. It says this kind of spirit can come out with nothing but prayer, saying that perhaps they were praying, but they were also depending on other things. Mm. They were depending on the power of God, but maybe they were also depending on the ways God had moved before. We don't know what else they were depending on, but I can imagine being a disciple of Jesus and being a part of the local and global church for most of my life and seeing God do miracles and believing God for the impossible. But now I think that God should do it some ways he's done it before. I think God should take some of my ideas because I have some good ones. I think God should use some of my strategies. I'm depending on God, but I also have a way I would like for this to be done. And there is breakthrough what we learn from the disciples is that there is breakthrough that we want to have that we can have, but we will not have unless we are fully depending on the power of God, not having one hand open to God, but one hand clinging to our. Me and how it's changed my life. But to answer your question quickly is that even through I have a new name, I obeyed God and I wrote this spoken word piece and God breathed on it and I've got to share it all over the world. But I will say that I was not fully healed when that released to the world seven years ago. Mm. I still had rhythms I had to learn. I still had healing I needed to have and wounds from my life. And when I was trying to do it my own way in my own time, um, I was not having the breakthrough that was available in my personal life. And it was after I was truly surrendering some of these wounds to Jesus, fully depending on his power, not overthinking it. I felt like a few years ago, God say to me, if you don't overthink it, I'll breathe on it. And it was me not thinking to death every single, you know, plan and move, but just fully living a life by the spirit surrendered to him where I started to have the breakthrough in my life. And so we said yes to me going back into the recording studio, re-recording I Have a New Name, writing a book on identity. And God has already, that yes, God has already shown up in our lives in a very personal way. Mm. Um, we're kind of already walking in the favor of having said yes to that and surrendering some things to God. So how God will breathe on the book, I have no idea. <laughs> but we've already said yes and obeyed. And, and I just feel like a lot of healing um, in our mentalities in our life from letting go and surrendering to Jesus. So when I mean like depending on Jesus, I mean like with this structure, with this, with these rhythms, fully having, um, fully making time with God the biggest priority of my life. I've learned when you don't know who you are, when you feel disconnected, when you've lost a sense of self. You will know who you really are when you spend real time with the one who knows you best. Yeah. Breakthrough is possible through dependence on God. And how do you depend on God? Through abiding in Christ. And how do you abide? Through committing to a structure of rhythms to spend real time with the one who knows you best. So I'd probably say, I mean, now that God's breathed on I have a new name in such a different new way these past this past year. Yeah. I had nothing to do with it. I wish I wish I could tell you how. Um, but I also know like um living surrender to God is worth it and it's better than depending on yourself. Well, thank you so much for your time, Hosanna. Thank you for your openness and just for your passion in talking about these things with people. I think you I think you have a very unique way of speaking to people and that that they hear you and um and I'm I'm so excited to see what happens with this book. And uh, just, I just want to thank you for your time talking with me here today. Uh, today, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
Appreciate it. Now, let's look at some doable steps out of this episode. Hosanna talked about four rhythms to consider starting, even if just baby steps. First, spending time in your Bible. It doesn't matter what translation, find one that speaks to you. In the show notes, there's a link to Saddleback's Engage Guide, which is a 21-day guidebook to building a daily quiet time and walks through the book of James. The second thing that she talked about was prayer. Now, again, in the show notes, there are links to previous episodes we have done on prayer, along with a link to a little guidebook that we have called Life of Prayer that may be worth checking out. Third is Sabbath. What would you need to change in your life in order to have a true 24-hour Sabbath? Try to take a, a few minutes to look at your calendar and see what you can adjust or prepare in advance to allow yourself the opportunity to rest in God for one whole day. And fourth, a community. Consider inviting one person or family over to your house for dinner this coming week. The links to Hosanna's books are in the show notes, and I, I hope you'll check them out. Thanks for listening to Doable Discipleship. We'll, we will be back with you again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week.